The following production is part of the Play Some Video Games Podcast Network. Welcome to Board with Video Games, the gaming podcast that strives for the right balance of coverage for games to play on your table and on your television. You can think of us as the Apple and Google of gaming podcasts. We're a proud member of the PSVG Podcast Network and thrilled to be part of the Dice Tower Network as well. I'm one of your hosts, Kyle, and joining me on this co-op adventure, the guy who hasn't been sued by Epic yet. Josh, how are you doing this evening? Hey, I'm doing good. I'm glad I'm Google in this situation. Um... Yeah, I'm doing good. We've been we got some crazy weather here. I've seen I saw hail for the first time in my life today. Uh, I will say when I saw you <laughs> post that, my immediate reaction this was kind of like the burrito revelation. Yeah. Of has Josh never seen hail before? Uh, we never get hail here. Wow. We get snowstorms. We get ice storms. Right. Never have hail. In fact, this storm front that just came through actually it looks like it took down. A little bit of our tree in our backyard uh, to the fact where um, a, a branch or four are hanging uh, very close to the power lines in the back of the house. <laughs> <laughs> so it should be interesting to see what happens. And they're, they're still rolling through uh, currently, but that hill, man, just started coming down. We're talking uh, nickel-sized hail. Okay. That's decent hail. I mean, that that's no softball size hail. Oh, no. It's not even close to what I've seen for people. <laughs> but to experience that for the first time, it is pretty interesting to hear every car alarm go off within 16 blocks of your house at the same time. <laughs> right. The thing about hail that has always gotten me is just how loud it is. Yeah. It's it incredible. It is so loud. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was crazy. I mean, I love thunderstorms, so it was a nice addition to a thunderstorm until my wife was like... Mm-hmm. Hmm, doesn't hail usually come with tornadoes? And I was like, oh, yeah, well, we should probably start watching the radar just in case. <laughs> in case something's coming. <laughs> Are tornadoes not a big thing in your area either? Worcester, Massachusetts um, is notable for a tornado 100 years ago. Okay. And that was the last tornado that has uh, been in Worcester. There have been tornadoes in surrounding towns in the past few years as the weather's that been getting. That was good thunder yeah, you just said, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, as as the weather's been getting worse, some of our surrounding towns have gotten some tornadoes okay. in the past few years. Um, but I would say only like two have touched down. Okay. Um, and they pretty much did – they did a lot of damage but not structurally, just like yeah. trees. Yeah. I mean, living in North Dakota, Minnesota, and Iowa, tornadoes are a pretty regular part of life. I have never actually been present for a tornado. That is something That's I good. have been fortunate <laughs> – Yeah, I've been fortunate not to have that, but – I know many people, actually, whose homes or his parents' homes who have been directly affected by tornadoes. So it's just very interesting, you know, depending on where you live in the country, the, the, the things that you associate with bad weather and what those things are. So, yeah, tornado is definitely a regular occurrence in my area. Many, many tornado warnings and, and things like that I've had to experience. So, you know. We're supposed to be thing. living in states where we only get one or two of the five types of weather, not all right. of them. <laughs> 
or like two hurricanes at once. Yeah, and like Louisiana's gonna get pummeled <laughs> tomorrow. I feel really so, bad for them. The world is this is totally normal. This place this is fine. It's normal for twenty twenty. You're absolutely right. It's true. It's so true. <laughs> Okay, so obviously, as we said last week, this week's episode is going to be very focused on board games. And I have a feeling for Board With Everything this month, I can guess probably what one topic or one thing we'll talk about is because of a event that happened this weekend from when we were recording. But with that, I do want to get real quick your feedback, Josh. There were two video games announced this weekend officially at this point. Yeah. You know, one focused on uh, Gotham Knights. Yeah. And the other one being, you know, Justice League or Suicide Squad Kill the Justice League. Yes. Both of those coming from WB and their studios there. Uh, WB Montreal, right, is making the Gotham Knights. And Rocksteady, then Rocksteady uh, who has been very quiet for a very long time, uh, making Rightfully their, so, I think, with that release date. <laughs> yeah, 2022. Woo! Uh, <laughs> I think the last game they released was... Four years ago? 2016 but that was the v- batman it. vr <laughs> yeah i think batman arkham vr was 2016 yeah. and arkham knight was 2015 so it's been a bit uh just real quick re- reactions excited not excited what are your thoughts mm. uh 2021 for uh arkham knights 2022 yeah. for suicide squad general impressions from watching the trailers and all that good stuff um i mean suicide squad uh, uh i like the trailer but it's a four minute cg trailer it right. lends absolutely nothing uh, like I would rather them have not even mentioned it to be one hundred percent honest. However, uh, we do get a uh, a look at evil Superman kind of right at the end of the trailer, which really kind of makes me question the premise of this game because <laughs> uh, uh, you're already playing as the bad guys, but now Superman's also a bad guy. Um, uh, Gothamites. Uh, it's a game that I it. it <laughs> At face value, I don't want this game uh, because you because there's no Batman, but it looks great, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I do want it. Uh, I don't. Court of Owls doesn't feel right to me without Batman though, so I'm wondering if okay. he comes back. Oh. Uh, like rumors of his death, like are false, something like that. Right. Where you play most of the game as this four pack. Um, I do like. I do love that it has co op. Yeah. Um, I don't love that they're using the justice league teleporting system for uh red hood uh because it looks sloppy uh right from the trailer (laughs) uh and they show like a quick second of it looks like how you actually use it in the game and it looks just the same reason why i don't use the teleporting characters in destiny it doesn't feel right to me so hopefully that's they really nail that down um I can't wait to play as um, Batgirl, to be honest with you. I love her character. Uh, Robin, Nightwing, Red Hood, all of them I'm a fan of. I know people are like, I don't want a Batman game where I can't play as Batman. Like, you're playing as Batman's, like, protégés. Like, you should want to play as these people. These are people that are greatly influenced by your favorite superhero. Like, I would also love to play a game as Superboy. Like, Mm. that would be cool. Um, it's time for a change, and and I think that it looks nice. And like the gameplay they showed, even though mm-hmm. it's like alpha, looks great. It looks it did. like Arkham Knight Plus, and I'm a little worried about the reliance on vehicles because that's probably the least favorite part of Arkham Knight for me. 
Um, but it was still good, like way better than um, the other Arkham games. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I think, it, uh, and I like that they changed the, the 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 combat system. Like the combat looks the same, but it's more RPG style. Like right. you saw, like Diablo style hit points coming off of bad guys as you're hitting right. them. Um, so I like that too. Like they're changing the formula just enough to keep it like interesting. How about you? What did you think of the reveals? I thought they were fine to good. I am not a huge comics person, as we have talked about before. Mm. So for, and I even have to think about the names of the games. Like that's how much of a, a non-comic person I am. So for Arkham Knights, I know and have heard of all of those characters. Yeah, can't really tell you what their actual names are necessarily. Well, it you gets know? it gets it gets hard <laughs> in Batman. So to figure out the, all their different names, Tim Drake, right? Um. Uh, Dick Grayson, uh, Damian Wayne, I think is the new Robin. There have been others. But yeah, it is it is hard to tell who is who. Right. So that for me is, it looks cool. It looks fun. The co-op is something I'm interested in. I wonder very much how closely they're watching Marvel's Avengers. It seems a little bit like borrowing from that combat system. Not, but, not combat I, system, uh, character development. Yeah, and obviously they have been making this game for a long time, and and that type of character progression is something that's pretty baked into a lot of games. But I'm wondering how much they're going to look at to what works, what doesn't work, what people like, what people don't like, and how they're going to tweak. It is interesting that it's only two-player co-op. There's no four-player co-op, at least that they've said. So that's cool. Yeah, the Suicide Squad, I mean, the trailer was fun. Yeah, it was definitely fun. Who knows? And obviously Superman is the one they showed. (laughs) But since it is called Kills the Justice League, how many other members are there going to be that show up? Is it just actually Superman? Because then you'd think that the title would be something different. So I assume there's more characters in it. Sure. But I mean, that'll be easy to kill Batman and Aquaman. So <laughs> <laughs> Superman will be the so, hard one to kill. That is true. That is very true. So, yeah, I, I thought it was exciting and good. It, it, in some ways, it's nice to know what they're doing, though pretty much what we thought they were doing is exactly what they are doing what yeah. has been rumored yeah. pretty much was nailed but yeah the 2022 release on the rocksteady game is a i don't want to say disappointing it was i thought there was a small chance that the wb montreal game might be this fall still yeah so i, I was thinking potentially we could see a late 2020 for one and then rocksteady could be 2021 but i also knew that was likely very wishful thinking so 2021, 2022, not bad. It will be nice to have, especially a game of Rocksteady's caliber uh, going, I'm assuming, full just next gen. Yeah, and given the time to develop the game the right way. Right. Like, 2022 so, is like, they're they're under no pressure to rush this right. game, which is a good thing. Yeah, so that'll be six years since their last game, when it, if it comes out That's, in 2022. And, and you have to imagine they've been working on this game for a while. Yeah, so and there are rumors that they had been working on something else that got dropped, and they moved on to this instead. Yeah, but either way, they've they've had some time, so we'll see. Definitely exciting, and I anticipate that for board with everything, we might talk about all the movies and other things that were talked about there. I already have uh, a plan on one of the <laughs> topics, so so yeah, awesome. All right, so we are though going to do a basically exclusive from this point forward. Uh, board game show but one only one piece of housekeeping this week uh, just because i do want to make sure folks are aware metafall is going on now so all you have to do to enter is just go to bit.ly slash metafall 2020 which is bit.ly slash m-e-t-a-f-a-l-l 
1159 p.m. Eastern, Sunday, August 29th. So you can go ahead, get entered to win some awesome prizes. First place is $60 to Amazon or a $60 Amazon gift card. Second place is a $30 Amazon gift card. And the wild card is a $20 Amazon gift card. And all it will take is about five minutes to go ahead and fill out that form. Get us what your predicted Metacritic scores are for the games on the list. And we will go ahead and keep a track of those throughout the fall and announce the winners in December. So that is, again, bit.ly slash Metafall 2020. Please enter by this Sunday, August 29th. We'd love to have your entry. And that's it for housekeeping. We're going to go jump right into the topics of the show. Josh, kick us off. What is your first board game-related topic? Hey, so we started, well, we attempted to start our board game call, uh, which I pulled up five board games. I guess mm-hmm. I could probably tell you what they were, right? So I pulled out um, Fire in the Library, um, Ghostbusters the Card Game, Clip Cut Parks, uh, uh, Catch the Moon, and Unstable Unicorns. So we played uh, Catch the Moon and Unstable Unicorns. I, I posted uh, pictures on our Instagram if you want to check them out. And yeah, you know, basically we were playing these games to weed out I talked to Kyle. I don't think I talked about it on the show, but at least before the show, um, as much as I love my board game collection, uh, I keep adding to it and I don't live in a mansion. So um, I also, I think we were talking about how I had this like feeling. um, I think we were talking about Seven Wonders and it really made me think about board games I love that I just don't get to play anymore because we're constantly trying to play new games, right? Which right. I still love to do. I really love to play new games. Um, but it also takes away my enjoyment of me <laughs> just ominous. Uh, I'm going to take over the Justice League. <laughs> um, uh, it takes away that like fun of like, I'm looking at Everdoll right next to me. I haven't played Everdoll in months. And I have three expansions that I haven't even tried yet. Right. So I need to really... Get this collection down. I have like 400 board games. I need to get it down to 100. That's going to be very hard to do. That is going to be a challenge. And it's going to take a long time to do that, but this was the goal, right? So uh, so we started with Catch the Moon. Catch the Moon is a dexterity game where it's pretty simple. There's a cloud that is your base. There are slots in the base, and the game comes with a bunch of like cedar 3D printed uh, ladders and you have a die and that's it those are all your pieces different shaped ladders Uh, you start with straight ladders and you roll a die on the die it has one ladder or two ladders um, or another symbol which i'm forgetting (laughs) Uh, which clearly that's super important Um, i think probably you don't do anything uh, perhaps uh, and what you do is when you roll, I'm trying to see if it's close to me. It's not. Uh, you roll the die in the box and then you pull a ladder out of um, the box top randomly and then you place it. Um, if you draw one ladder, it means that you need to put a ladder that you draw randomly only touching one existing ladder on the board. If you roll a die with two ladders on it, then the ladder you place has to touch two ladders no more no less Mm -hmm. if the ladder falls or multiple ladders fall you draw a tear and those are like the raindrops 
I'll call it a raindrop because that's probably what it's called. Uh, <laughs> you draw a raindrop. If you, on a two-player game, the first person to collect three raindrops loses. Simple as that. Very easy. On the face, it doesn't sound like a game I would necessarily keep. We had a ton of fun. It is super simple, but incredibly fun, and it's two to six players. So right. I can only imagine how much fun this game would be teaching my family. This is a game that you can teach to anybody. It's it literally looks really cool on the table. Yes, it has a great table presence, and it's literally just putting a ladder on another ladder. My, I can teach that to my parents. I can teach that to a five-year-old. I can't teach it to my three-year-old. <laughs> uh, but this game is very approachable, and, and even though it was the two of us, we laughed a bunch. We had a great time, and I just looked at my wife, and we both were like, it stays. Like, uh, <laughs> it was very a very easy decision. Uh, so Catch the Moon, if you can find it cheap, uh, grab it. We got it really cheap at PAX Unplugged. At the cool, like, in PAX Unplugged, they have this thing where cool stuff um, has, like, this huge presence, and they have all yep. their games. And then the next day, almost all their games drop half price. And then the last day, almost all their games left are, like, like 70% off. So I think we got this game for like back with 20 bucks. Yeah. Nice. Um, so it was a great investment. So, uh, yeah, a lot of fun. Um, Catch the Moon stays. Then we played Unstable Unicorns, a game that my wife really wanted. My cousin, who ne- who who backed it, who, who never like backs Kickstarter board games, uh, he he was talking about this game. So uh, we didn't back it, so we bought the, the, I think the Target version, the regular version. Um, Unstable Unicorns is very similar. Not very similar. It it has uh, like a t- um, exploding kittens vibes, um, mm-hmm. but essentially what you're doing is you pick um, a starting a new like a newborn unicorn or a baby unicorn. That's your character for the game, and you're literally uh, drawing five cards and um, you are messing with other people's stables or and or decks, and you're trying to be the first person to have seven unicorns, or in this case, unicorns or narwhals in your stable. Um, the artwork's really cool. Uh, it's it's a very tongue in cheek, funny game, um, and we had a lot of fun playing this one too. Uh, unfortunately, <laughs> so and I say that only because I thought for sure this would be one we would be getting rid of. <laughs> Um, but Unstable Unicorn stays. Uh, we had a lot of fun with it. It would also be another fun. These are two great icebreaker games, right? If you're doing a board game day with friends, these are two games you can play in under 30 minutes with friends, uh, especially if you're in between big games. Um, so yeah, so these are great. Honestly, I was very surprised and I was also very happy to get two board games in, in one night. Um, so now I just got to pick two more games to add to the three games that are still sitting here. I said to my wife, I said to Ashley, we should probably start picking the games we don't want to play out of the five oh, instead yeah. of the two we do want to try. So I think probably Ghostbusters, the card game, and Clip Cut Parks are next, but we'll see. <laughs> gotcha. All right. Awesome. Well, I'm glad to hear those went well. I have, man, playing board games other than continuing to play Lord of the Rings. It's not happened much recently, but I really wanted to because I got 
I just got uh, Fort the other day. Oh, man, I really want to get that. I It hasn't popped up on my FLGS yet, though. Yeah, so I, I, I pre-ordered it So from Leader, and I'm really excited to give it a shot, but I, I just haven't had time to get it to the table yet. But hopefully soon, that will happen. So anything else you want to say about your two games, Josh? Um, They get recommendations from me. So if you have the ability to get either of those games, get what you would deem a good price, grab them because they're both very good awesome all right josh i thought we'd try something a little different for my first topic and i'm pretty excited about it so what i did is i went through a couple days ago i went through the board game subreddit and just picked out a handful of questions that someone had asked as a post that i thought was a super interesting question or a fun question or might be a question we could talk about on the show that could potentially be interesting. Now, some of these are going to be a little challenging because I think some of them you have to think about a little bit. But here is where we're going to start. This comes from, oh man, I can't actually, I cannot. Starting on a bad family, note. <laughs> since we're a family-friendly show, I actually cannot. <laughs> you can't even say the name. person's username. No, I can't say their username. <laughs> Okay, so, that's okay. That can be anonymous. Yeah, so uh, you can go find it if you'd like to. But here's their question. Re- regarding board game expansions, why do you like your favorite expansion to a board game? Oh. Well, I mean, I think that question is more... The answer is more simple um, than anything else. There's a lot of board game expansions that I have and enjoy, but mm-hmm. realistically, the best the best board game expansion and why I like it is is um, even even if I don't even list the game, I don't I don't even know that you have to. It's because it makes the original board game better. There's so many like you can look at Carcassonne, right, or even Catan as an example, right. There's like diehard people that will swear to you, don't buy these Carcassonne expansions, only get the Princess and the Dragon because all the other ones are terrible, but I would not play this game ever without this expansion, right? A game that I would use for me is probably Marvel Legendary. Okay. And I wouldn't play Marvel Legendary without the Spider-Man expansion Mm -hmm. um, because it adds some of my favorite villains and heroes. But there's so many expansions to Legendary that also, you could argue, any of those expansions could be that one for you, depending on who you are. Because the Guardians right. of the Galaxy one, awesome. Fantastic Four, awesome. And, you know, maybe it just adds a villain you like, or maybe it adds your favorite superhero, um, at least for that genre. Um, right. So I think, ultimately, like, if the game, if it makes the base game better... Like, that's the reason, right? Yeah. No, I agree there. And when I think of... I was trying to think of an expansion that I really enjoyed, and I suddenly was catching myself wondering if something was an expansion or actually just part of the game. Because it becomes (laughs) so seamless that I always do it or always play with that expansion that I can't always necessarily remember anymore. But one example of something that I, I do enjoy is something like Leaders, the expansion for Seven Wonders. Yes. And the reason I like expansions like that is they maintain what is done in the base game, but they're then adding 
so there's something about variable player powers that I really enjoy. And and some games start off with them and that's great if they start with them. But if a game doesn't have it and they can incorporate that through an expansion, I'm typically going to go all in on that because it takes the general strategy of the game and doesn't change that, but has you think of it in different ways and has you approach it in ways that you might not normally do, right? I get very set in my ways in some games with strategies that I feel are going to be very successful. But suddenly if you have this variable player power addition added on that you might need to look at playing that game in a different way than you have before. Uh, and the me- mechanisms behind- in the game haven't changed at all, but just how you approach those mechanisms have changed. And that's something I really love when games are able to do. Yeah. Leaders gives, so <laughs> to make a video game comparison, Seven Wonders on its own is like an open world video game. And then when you include leaders, it's like a linear game. Yeah. Because you know what your goal is. Right. You get your leader, you go, okay, great. Well, I need to, I'm Ares. I need to have a strong military. So that's what I'm going to focus on. Right. Um, or I'm Socrates. I have to focus on science. That is mm-hmm. my goal. So I really like leaders too, and that's a great example. Um, way better example than my Spider-Man Legendary uh, expansion. Uh, I think that's that's a great uh, example because I don't play Seven Wonders without leaders. Right. Yeah, I agree. And yeah, something about those situations just. And I I think your comparison is apt. And I think the thing that's exciting about that comparison is it's not the same linear game every time then, right? Yeah, You're playing yeah. a different linear game depending on the leader that you get, but also then depending on what cards you get given to you, that yep. you have to be able to think on your feet a little bit more of, okay, I know that X strategy is the optimal strategy, but if I'm not getting the cards for that, then what am I going to do? Yep. And really trying to think of it from that perspective. I love it. I love when... Uh, expansions give that to a game. That's my favorite type of expansion. Cool. Anything else you want to say on that topic? No, you had a great choice. Okay. Here's here's the next hitter then for you, Josh. What is a game? Uh, okay. See, these are things I really am disconnected because I don't even know if this person's username is appropriate or not. <laughs> I think it is. I'll type it in the chat. No, it's okay. <laughs> If I'm not very certain, I'm just going to avoid it. So, games where you feel like you're in it until the end. Oh. Ooh. So, what is an example of a game where you feel like you're in it until the end? I don't have a lot of games that I... While I maybe uh, don't enjoy the endings, I don't know that I've ever uh, lost my interest in the game because of the ending. Uh, But... Mm -hmm. I don't know that that's necessarily surprising based on a lot of the conversations we've had in the past about endings to video games, like specifically Mass Effect 3. Um, I don't, yeah, I don't think that that has ever happened to me, to be honest with you. I don't think an ending has ever taken me fully out of a game. Okay. <laughs> so here here we go. I'll rephrase the question in a way that's maybe different. So what is a board game Yeah, where like you feel like I can still win this game all the way until the end of the game. Oh, I was thinking of video games. That's my yeah, fault. <laughs> That's <laughs> I was like, my hey, fault. We're doing a board game focused show. So, board games. What is a game where you like? I what are games that. where you feel like it, you can still win all the way until the end of the game? Catan for one hundred percent for sure. You okay? And Ticket to Ride. 
two games I think that they're pretty entry level, but there's always this like false sense of security where you have hidden um victory point cards. Even mm-hmm. Summer Warriors falls into that group. Um yeah. and Carcassonne, a lot of these games. Any any point salad game, right? Um, because like you nece- you don't necessarily know what your opponents have. Right. I always feel confident in Catan. I always think I'm gonna win. And the Catan changes, people start to realize that you're gonna win, and then they make it so you can't win. Correct. Uh <laughs> is different. Like you have to like if you're putting farmers down, you really have to pre plan tile placement. Um, but if you don't pay attention to someone else who was doing that, uh, that's another game where you can think you have it and then you realize like, oh man, I just realized Kyle has three farmers on both sides of the giant cities I just built and I just closed them off <laughs> and he just got 15 points from me. <laughs> like, I think, <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I think a lot of board games work that way, right? Um uh, Lords of Waterdeep, another game where you don't know what your opponent's um, um, cards are that they're completing and how many points they're going to get at the end. Like, I think that's what board games do well, right? It right. makes you uncomfortable uh, in your, I don't want to say complacency, but like your confidence in winning. Like, yeah. I mean, you, I- so you're different from me, right? You're the min max gamer. You're always. Ideally, you're always planning ahead. I don't play that way. Gotcha. Yeah, I tend to pick different strategies. So, yes, do I min-max? I do, but I don't always min-max in the name of winning. I min-max to see what is possible, if that makes sense. Right. Yeah. So, because I definitely don't win that often. I think for me, the games that do the best of this, though, tend to be, like you talked about, the point salad games or heavier Euros. Yeah. Where it's really hard for you basically just to keep track of what you are doing, let alone keeping track of what everyone else is <laughs> right. doing. And even some of those, I feel like, when they have scoring tracks, are still very... They don't paint an accurate picture of what the situation really is until the end of the game anyway. I do think, in general, games with scoring tracks, while I understand the importance of keeping track of your score... I do think they can have the negative impact of if someone looks at that and sees they're super behind, that sense of hopelessness starts to set in, even if that might not be true. Maybe there is very specific paths to victory for them. So I think not games in general that don't have scoring tracks, I think help with that. But heavy Euros, the one the game I thought of immediately in this was why am I blanking on the name of it? Feast for Odin. That game, super heavy, so many different things that can happen. You can look at your player, your opponent's board and and get an idea of maybe where they're at, but then they're going to take two or three different actions than what you expected, and suddenly you're really not sure where they're at anymore or what their score might be. So heavy Euros, I, I think, really lend it to it. And yeah, any you know Steffenfeld point salad game, I think, also really lends to that. So cool. Anything else about that? No, great example. Okay, so we are going to do two more questions from here, and then we'll move on to our next topic. Cool. All right. Yes, I have a whole bunch more to say. It's so those <laughs> super, super future great. episodes. I like it. I know this is going to be awesome. Okay. Uh, so this comes from user Snake the Sniper Zero. Okay. That that's the first that name seems, we can use. <laughs> that seems appropriate. 
And this, I think, is a very interesting question. Is Pandemic the new Monopoly? Oh, no. I don't like that question. Why don't you like that question? Because it has a negative connotation to it. To you, it does. No, to the board game industry. Okay. You can't say that Monopoly isn't the Sharknado of films for board games. <laughs> that's even a that's that's not even a good example. Uh, I don't like that. That that is the question because Pandemic is a very complex board game. Maybe like Tickets Ride would be a better comparison. I do think overall Tickets for Ride would be the better comparison, but that's not the question they asked. Yeah, Pandemic's not entry level, so I would disagree with that question. It's not the new Monopoly because anyone can play Monopoly. You can't, like, Pandemic requires cooperation and communication, and Monopoly is a very solitaire game, uh, with the exception of um, um, uh, bartering, I guess. Depending on and and I also think you, I don't know that, and I this is a broad blanket statement. I don't think that you can find anyone who plays Monopoly by the rules. Though, there does seem like, to be a lot of house book. rules. Yeah, there like, are a lot of house rules. Who who plays Monopoly and starts auctioning off property the first turn of the game? Nobody. Right. Who doesn't put money in free parking? Nobody. Right. Like. People don't play Monopoly the way the rulebook is. You, if you play Pandemic differently than the rulebook, well, then you're not playing Pandemic because the game, you need the rulebook to play Pandemic because it is reliant on that. Monopoly is not. Um, I get where the question's coming from. I really right. like. I do get that, but it, I still don't think it's entry level board gaming, and that's what Monopoly is. Right. It's more. I'm trying to think of an example of like um, the next level, the next, like what is a harder board game than Monopoly, but families still play like Yahtzee pandemic is the Yahtzee of board game, like is Yahtzee because it requires like, I don't know. No, cause it's still pretty simply rolling dice. Like, right. I don't know what that, what that game is, but pandemic is certainly not Monopoly. It's whatever is the next step from Monopoly. I do, yeah, like you said, I think that Ticket to Ride or Catan, I think either one of those are a, a more similar parallel. Yeah. And if you're going to go with a cooperative game, it's obviously not as popular, but something more like Forbidden Island or Forbidden yes. Desert, yep. Yep. I think would be a better pick. But it just doesn't have the popularity that Pandemic does you know, in comparison. So like you, I get where the question comes from. I don't think it's a bad question. Uh, <laughs> it's just a question that... I don't. I think there's enough things that are against it, if you would, that uh, make it a challenging question to answer in the affirmative. So no, I don't think that pandemic is the new monopoly, but I don't think it's a. I think there will be a new monopoly someday, but it's going to be Ticket to Ride or Catan or something like that. Yeah, I saw Jeff Foxworthy Monopoly at Walmart last weekend. There's not going to be a new Monopoly because there's always a new, a new Monopoly. Version. <laughs> That's true. That's very true. I do. I am kind of surprised that we haven't gotten more spon- licensed versions of Catan there's, or yeah. I like that though. Ticket to Ride. Yeah, I mean, I'm just surprised that we haven't. Ticket to Ride. Know. There's so many train games. I feel like That's- they like they have another small one coming out. Ticket to Ride New Amsterdam, mm-hmm. like a small one. Um, I think they're doing a good job. 
but but that's because they have to stay competitive in the train board game industry, <laughs> right? Which is bigger than yep. most people think. It's true. It's <laughs> very true. Yeah, pi- Uh, yeah, those types of games are pretty pretty popular. Yeah, I get games, it. A lot of train games. People like trains. <laughs> Rope, yeah, rope building, like all that stuff. Very. Popular. My son is okay, the great, a great <laughs> catalyst for that. <laughs> Trains. <laughs> okay, <true>. Jameson. <laughs> okay, here is the final question that we're going to cover today, and this was the question that made me want to do this entire segment. So here we <laughs> oh, go. <boy. laughs> Can you say the, their name? I am going to say their name. Uh, you do not have to know for certain your answer is right. Just what do you think is the right answer? Oh, well, that's okay. my entire life, Kyle. <laughs> okay, so here we go. This is from user Midnight Rush 3, and I'm going to read their entire post because it's pretty short. Can you put board games in a freezer without ruining it? <laughs> hold on, hold on, hold on. This is probably one of the weirder questions on this sub, but I recently found out I have bed bugs. Oh, I'm wondering no. if I can put all my board games inside a garbage bag and leave it in a walk-in freezer that's 20 below Celsius for a week to kill them. Do you think that would ruin the material in any way? So, Josh, now, I will say, this is a very popular post with a lot, a lot of opinions on it. Do you think that you could put your games in a garbage bag, in a freezer, a very cold freezer, which is important to note, for a week, and will they come out okay? What are your thoughts? Are you ready for this? I am ready for this. This is a board game I've decided to call. I will put this in a trash bag today. Right. And I will open it live on the podcast next Sunday. Okay, if that's really what you want to do. I, well, yeah. This is okay. not a game I want to give to anybody. Okay. <laughs> good. Sorry, Fun Forge, but Titan Race is a bad game. <laughs> And I'll let you know, because I don't know the answer to his question, but we're going to find out. <laughs> yeah. I, my gut tells me if the freezer is cold enough, and then when you open the bag, if you open the box and take everything out of it yeah, and let it warm up not in the box, I think things would be okay. What was the temperature you said? It's 20 below Celsius is what the... That's not... You don't have access to freezers that right. cold. Right. I don't... Well, he has one through his work or something. That That's great. Well, my freezer gets negative six Fahrenheit. So that is what I will use Okay. as the test for yes. me. And what I'll do is I'll open it. I'll take it out an, uh, two hours before we record and I'll take pictures. Okay. And then I will... Uh, tr- I'll put them in a Tupperware container and I'll trans. I'll keep them in here, so okay. I can while we record live, I can uh, <laughs> check how tell doing. you how the cardboard's doing. <laughs> okay, yeah, and there's a lot of back and forth. A lot of people think it's going to be cold enough that that'll be okay. Uh, I'll be very interested to see how that goes. Though. I get it. So- like they think that the, it'll be cold enough for to be okay, but it has to thaw and it's yeah. cardboard. <laughs> right. Well, the, like the fact period is, though. Is since it's so cold, typically when things get start to freeze, the moisture in them is going to it might pick up moisture during that process. Yeah. But since it's so cold, uh, the chance of them picking up any additional moisture is pretty minimal. But I think that's gonna be hard because if you're already in a humid environment, it will obviously squeeze out some of that humidity when it yeah. freezes, but not all of it. So. Well, I'll put it. I'll put it in a Ziploc bag. I'll fill the black bag full of ice cubes to get it colder. To try to get as close, obviously it's not going to be that cold, no, but right. as close as I can get to the co- like the coldest will be, and we'll see how it works out. 
Awesome. That's a fun experiment. Thank you for doing that. This will be great. So if you enjoyed that, folks, let us know, because I think there are some obviously interesting questions that come up on the board gaming subreddit. That's a so fun we might one. do that more in future weeks. But Josh, what is your second topic? This Hold week? on. I want to look inside this and see what we're dealing with. We got a rule book. We got cardboard maps. We got cards and plastic pieces and dice. So we got all oh, of them. We got everything. Okay, perfect. <laughs> uh, okay, so my topic is something that I was hesitant to talk about a couple weeks ago, but because we're doing board games, and I do still think it's important. Um, we're going to talk about... Um, not. I mean, Jamie Stegmeier past guest on the show hopefully future guest <laughs> uh also um but tweet tweeting from stonemeyer games um but jamie came under fire uh i put recently but like semi recently for publicly quote commenting uh unquote on a reviewer uh for not getting the review out for pendulum in a timely fashion um i went to i pulled up the the thing i but i what i do want to talk about is uh, where do we stand on board game reviews and timeliness of said reviews? So this all stems from a Watch It Played um, tweet, which was on Pendulum. And the tweet said, who goes first? Everyone, assign your workers as the grains of sand drop away and perform actions to become the king. Uh, sorry, the kingdom's new ruler. Join me here and learn how to play Pendulum, this new title from designer Travis Jones and published by at Stonemaier Games. And then the newest addition to the Dice Tower, uh, which uh, is uh, Our Family Plays Games, mm -hmm. um, uh, tweeted back the chaos. We are scared of the chaos. To which Stonemaier Games replied, have you, had a ch have you had a chaotic experience playing Pendulum? They replied back, by the way, this is on August 4th. They replied back, well, we'll keep that a secret for a few days and let everyone know real soon. Smiley face and two hearts. To which Stone Meyer Games replied, okay. Though advanced copy reviewers have been able to talk about the game since July 29th, so a whopping six days before this, uh, as the pre-order starts tomorrow. I think people would have been interested to hear your thoughts leading up to the pre-order so they can make an informed decision. That tweet had 43 replies. Mm -hmm. Just to point that out. Um, most of the replies... Well, basically what happened was uh, the replies led uh, Stonemaier Games to uh, reply back with a uh, Jamie's famous blog post uh, called My Current Approach to Board Game Reviewers. Um, let me get the full title to have that. Because it says and dot dot dot. Um, and content creators. So Jamie went on to defend his position because what had happened was a lot of people um, took maybe offense is the right word. Um, someone said, so your stance as previews can only speak up if they're ready to do so on day one of your lifting the embargo. And then he had a, a very long response. Basically, a lot of very prominent board game personalities and reviewers mm -hmm. spoke out against Stonemaier's stance on this. Now, I don't know if you how much you read or how much you followed this, but I will say 
in um, Jamie's reply, he did cover um, that he only typically gives out 8 to 12 copies for advanced review copies. However, for me, he does not explicitly ever say there's a deadline for a review to come out. Mm -hmm. Never. Not once does it say, I expect this to come out at this point. He also goes out of his way to mention that he gives these games out for free, which I think is pretty standard for board game reviews. Mm -hmm. You hear that one? That is a good one. I love love Thunderstorms. Uh, Maybe God is angry at Jamie Stegmaier. Um, (laughs) (laughs) So I think what we learned basically from this whole thing is that Jamie definitely feels differently about... Um, this is a broad stroke, the general yeah. board game reviewing community, yep. uh, where people don't typically, because they're not getting paid, uh, mm-hmm. they don't typically take on board game reviews with specific dates where their review needs to be done. And in fact, we've reviewed board games. It's taken us months to yeah. get our reviews done, and we've never had any pushback at all. Right. Uh, so... I don't know if this is maybe a symptom of G- Jamie being very open and honest with his like fan base because he's he puts out so much content on a yeah. weekly basis. Um, and I don't even want to target this at Jamie, but I feel like we kind of have to at least address Stonemaier Games' response to this. In your mind, uh, where where do you sit on? Um, timely board game reviews and even board game reviews in general this is a great question i think to start with and you know i wouldn't have said anything in that i I wouldn't have tweeted anything that in any way indicated i was that maybe the review should have been done yeah you know i i could have easily seen myself if had i been in that situation tweeting something about Oh, well, if you have questions on things or whatever, you know, let me know. Otherwise, really looking forward to, you know, your review when it when when it gets posted or something like that. Yep. I also understand, though, the perspective of anyone, really board games in general, who is running a small company, has very limited number of review copies they can send out. And if you and I, I don't know in this situation if a review copy was requested right. or not. But if you request a copy and they provide information about, hey, here's when the kind of the way the timeline for this, I would try my absolute best to get those things done. Now, that being said, like you said, we have gotten board games and it's taken us some time to get them done. Typically, those have been games that have already been out. Yeah. Yep. They're not games that are coming live for pre-order. Back in the day when we did a lot of video game reviews at PSVG. I always worked very hard to make sure that my review was done and ready for whenever embargo lift was. But because life is just busy right now, I don't ask to do those things very much anymore because I don't necessarily have the time or can guarantee I have the time to get things done in that quick turnaround right now because of everything else going on. So this is one of those situations where in general, I 100% see both sides of the story and both sides of the situation. But with all that being said, when you provide a game for review, that is it. It is up to them when they get it done by it is up to them. How they do it It is up to them. 
And if they don't, if you don't like the results, you, you don't have to provide them games in the future. Right, and that's right? what it should come down to, right? <laughs> and that does, and that doesn't mean though that you should only provide people who are going to give good reviews to your games. I'm not saying that at all. Yeah, but if the you know it's six months later, nine months later, you know, there's no second print run, whatever the situation right. is, and the review comes <laughs> out, obviously you can take that into consideration. But once you've given it. That's it. Like you, you kind of got to just back off and let them do their thing. Yeah. And you know, and I think it would be totally reasonable and maybe others would disagree, but if they reach out for a game in the future and you're like, you know what? I, I can't provide one in this situation. And if they ask why I'd be like, Hey, I provided one last time. You know, the timeliness wasn't really what I'm looking for when I provide games to reviewers. So if that's something you think you can remedy for the future, I'd definitely be interested in working again, but you know, this yeah. is kind of I'm I'm limited in the number of games that I can provide. How often have we gotten turned down for review things? Because so many times. any number of reasons, right? <laughs> yeah. So, and again, not complaining about that at all. But that's kind of where I come down on this. I, I, I don't think it was the best look to say something. I understand where he's coming from, definitely, but sure. I, I don't think there should have been. Excuse me, I don't think anything should have been said in general in that situation. What about you? I think. Well, it's it's funny because I think his. His um, defense about himself made it ten times worse for him. Yeah, he said he only gives out ten to twelve copies, nine to twelve copies of a, of a, of an early preview game. So if eleven reviews came in on time, you're gonna go after the oh, one. Yeah. Uh, not only that, he also said he generally doesn't ever listen to any reviews of his games ever. Right. Okay. Well, what the hell. <laughs> <laughs> Why would you ever say that? Like, just right. keep that under your hat, man. Because you're not making it better for yourself. And no. here's the big thing, right? And I and I don't mean to politicize this, but unfortunately, it comes at a time where everyone in the board game industry, led by Eric Lang, is out there pushing yeah. for black creators. This is the first Dice Tower Network all-black family reviewers and yeah. jamie goes after them right. it does yeah, no, not yeah. look good no it doesn't and just you're 100 like my biggest like i don't have a problem that he had an issue with them not getting the review done right jamie's a professional a professional person sends an email yeah end of story yeah. a professional person sends an email that's it there's like i i find myself feeling frustrated because I can't defend him because a professional person <laughs> sends an email. Yeah, yeah. That's it. I, yeah, I don't, I don't disagree. <laughs> and, I don't disagree. And maybe he did send an email, but that's it should have started and stopped at an email. And honestly, you said it. Hey, I'm, I'm disappointed that you didn't get this preview done before the pre-orders went live. Yep. Um, and I hope you understand that I have a limited amount of pre-order, like of pre-release games I can give out. And while I would love for your feedback, maybe the next game you just have to wait until full review rounds go out. Yeah, that would be fine. And I don't know these people, and I don't know their mindset, but there's a fifty-fifty chance that either. They didn't put the time into reviewing this game, or they wanted more plays before they put a review out. Right. And 
you know, you can't, I'm not going to judge them on that. And I certainly wouldn't call them out on social media over that. <laughs> yeah. I just think about how hard it is for us to get everything done for what we do each week, just with everything else going on in our lives. Yeah. And that, I, you know, I, if they you don't do someone, this as a full-time job, they do this as a hobby. Right. Right. And I, that makes it so hard. I mean, I'm lucky if I can play board games a night a week, you know? So when you're not the dice tower, when you're not watch it played, when you're not shut up sit down when you're not those people who this is all they do and this is how they make their living which is great that's really awesome that those people do that you know have that i think it makes sense to not expect but you would think you would see them have those things done because that is their job to get those things done right yeah yep. whereas us <laughs> it's our job to hopefully make sure we get a podcast out every that's week. it that's all our job is just and, and we've done that 151 on times so i'll take it <laughs> Yeah. So consistency awesome. is key. It is key. We've only missed one week in that 151 streak. And we were forced to do it by Donnie, the mad tyrant of play some video games. I know. <laughs> and we still recorded other podcasts. That I week, don't think people want to hear about board games during E3 week. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> we love you, Donnie. Yeah, we love awesome. you. Awesome. I'm teasing. Anything you. else about your, that situation you want to talk about? No, I just hope that it doesn't happen again. <laughs> I love yeah, Jamie. I, I think he's great. I just, he didn't come out looking good in this one. I agree. Okay. My next topic, and we'll see how far, of the, how many of these we do, because there's there's a few of them here. Um, but we have a couple more topics to get to and some awesome email questions this week, which is great to see from everyone. So thank you for that. All right, Josh, have you seen this post prior to me posting it? Hold on. Let me pull it up. <laughs> I can guess. You can probably guess where I'm going to go on this one. Nope, I haven't seen this one. Okay, I didn't think so. Ooh, I, I can vote add. on it. Nice. You can. If you log in, you can totally do it. <laughs> All right, so there is a really large uh, <laughs> forum post going on right now on Board Game Geek that is talking about favorite game poll per designer. So it is listing very well-known famous designers and then having people pick who is your favorite game from this person. Yeah. So, and there's a lot of really, really great designers on this list, a lot of really, really great games. So we're just going to go through a few of them and we're going to pick what our favorite games are, Josh, and, and maybe fight to the death about what yeah, the let's do board with video games <laughs> game should be. Um, but this poll was started by Christopher Schindler, Schindler, Schindler. Don't say Schindler unless you mean it. Christopher Schindler. 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 There we go. Christopher Schindler. So nice job, Christopher, because this is an awesome post. So here is the first board game designer in the list. That is none other than Reiner Knizia. And the games listed for that you can select from are a lot. Don't, so I was going to say, don't list them all. <laughs> I'm not going to list them all because there is a whole bunch of them. But Josh, in this list, what would you vote for as your favorite Reiner Knizia game? Well, I'm going to have to add Lord of the Rings to Confrontation to my my want to play games. Uh, mm-hmm. I haven't played almost any Reiner Knizia games, um, apparently. So I have to vote for Lost Cities. Uh, but Lost Cities. I'm, I know it's not his most renowned game. In fact, I voted on it and I can see what's winning. <laughs> oh, can you see? what? Out of curiosity, what is winning? Well, number one game right now is Tigris and Euphrates at 15.2%. However, Lost Cities comes in third at 12.4%. Oh, nice. 
Nice. Actually, the one thing I discovered while looking at this post as well is I, you know, for a lot of these other designers, I have played numerous games in their list. Uh, I have not played many Reiner Knizia games, so yeah. I'm kind of in the same boat <laughs> as you are. And I was really surprised by that because I just had assumed. I thought that for sure I, had, I played his games. Yeah, <laughs> I know. Uh, but I probably would have to go with Lost Cities as well. So, yeah. There, he, I will say one thing that Reiner Knizia does well is I like the names of his games for some reason. Oh, yeah. Ty- Tigers and Euphrates, Shot and Totten. Like, they just sound so cool. His games, I always just, I don't know, something about them. All right, so that's Reiner Knizia. We're both saying Lost Cities. Uh, like I said, I think there's like 15 games in the Quest list. So that's for El Dorado is number two. Oh, which is actually... An, well, actually I thought you, you know would pick that one. <laughs> that is actually what I'm going to pick. I'm going to pick Quest for El Dorado. Okay, that is you got the going. number two, baby. Yep. So Quest for El Dorado. All right, next one on the list then. Uh, another, you know, small designer. Not a lot of, you know, games under their belt. Uh, <laughs> Uwe Rosenberg. Yeah. Smaller list to pick from. Obviously, in general, known for, pick, you know, really designing those very, very heavy Euro games. Uh, so what about what, what you picking here? What is your favorite Uwe Rosenberg game? I know what you're going to pick. My pick is Patchwork. Okay, that's a good pick. That's a good pick. It you say you know what I'm going to pick. Number three. Okay, you say you know what I'm going to pick. What do you think I'm going to pick? Agricola. You think so? Or Feast for Odin. So here's the hard thing. Are you going to pick I Caverna? Love... <laughs> I, I have Caverna. I really like Caverna. Yeah. I like A Feast for Odin. I like Lahav. Uh, Agricola is great. Man, this is a tough one. Oh, goodness. So, Oh, other games uh, that weren't on the list that has a pretty high percentage. Babel, Aura at Labora, Cottage Garden, um, Bonanza, and Mercator. You know, A Feast for Odin is the most common, or I should say the most recent one I've played. Yeah. But gosh, he really has great games. I think... Excuse me. Is he my favorite designer? Man, maybe he's my favorite designer and I didn't even realize it. I am going to go final answer. Josh, this is hard. You want to phone a friend? I kind of want to. I kind of actually should ask her. <laughs> Do you want I'm the 50 or the audience answer? <laughs> uh, I'm going Lahav. Okay. All right. Well, number one is Agricola. Mm-hmm. Number two is Feast for Odin. Mm-hmm. Number three is Patchwork. Uh, number four is Lahav. Gotcha. Yeah, I, I I really like Lahav, A Feast for Odin, and Caverna a lot. So yeah. that was a tough pick for me, but they're all great games. All obviously super heavy games, but awesome stuff. So the next one then on the list is one of my favorite board game <laughs> designer names to say. Uh, that's Vlada Chavadl. Yeah. Uh, you know, a lot, we'll say overall lighter games now than what Uwe Rosenberg in general has designed. Sure. Uh, and a smaller list too than what Reiner Knizia had. Uh, but when, you know, looking at Vlada Chavadl there, Josh, what uh, sticks out to you? I mean, for me, it's code names, right? I think it's got to be for most people because Galaxy Trucker is the game that gives me aneurysms, so I have to go with code names. <laughs> I think. Okay, so code names number one through the Not ages, surprised. uh, number two, and Mage That's Knight surpri- number three. Okay, I thought Mage Knight would be over through the ages, so I'm kind of surprised there because Mage Knight has a very passionate fan base. People really love Mage yeah. Knight. <laughs> so, have you played through the ages? No, I, um, uh, do I own it? No, I don't own it. Um, it's a game I want. I want. I agree. I've never played it either. I've looked at it at the store many, many times, uh, but I still have Civilization that I haven't played, so I figure probably shouldn't get 
through the ages if I can't even get through civilization. So, <laughs> yeah, awesome. Oh, Vlad Chavada, what a cool name. So that's our both of us picking code names. Uh, where's Galaxy Trucker on the list? Is it listed? I haven't played. Oh, oh, sorry. I was like, I haven't played it. <laughs> uh, Galaxy Trucker is fourth. Oh, okay. That game stresses me out. So. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Next, then on the list is none other than Alexander Fister, who yeah. again does you know mostly Euro style games, but kind of expands out of that a little bit. Uh, has a correct me if I'm right or wrong, but has a spiel as Yaris winner for Isle of Sky, correct? I believe so. Yes. So yes, uh, I, yes, correct. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. So where are you on Alexander Fister games, Josh? Uh, any that stick out to you? Any that you're kind of picking between here? He's a blind spot for me. Um, I do have Isle of Sky because I got it because of the Kinderspiel win. I just haven't played it yet. Um, I know uh, <laughs> I know yours, and I want to play yours. Okay. Um, but I have Broom Service, the card game. Broom Service is also uh, not Kinder, Kinderspiel winner. So he's one for Broom Service and for Isle of Sky. Oh, okay. Um, so Broom Service is on my list to buy. Um, I've always heard good things about him, but I can't. I'm just going to vote your pick so I can see the winners. So gotcha. I'll let yeah, you so my, take it from here. <laughs> so my pick is Great Western Trail. I yeah. love Great Western Trail. I think it is an absolutely brilliant Euro game. Uh, the theme is odd but endearing and wonderful. It it is one of those games that the more you play it, the better you get at it. So, Great Western Trail is definitely my favorite from him. But I will say, interesting thought is that Blackout Hong Kong is probably one of my most wanted games that I've never played. Really? Yeah. For I don't know what it is about that game, but I really want to play it. I have a strong desire to pick it up, and it has gotten to a point where. I think it's pretty inexpensive now. I think it was rather expensive when it came out. Yeah. Um, and it, it's not too bad as far as price goes now. Uh, so maybe I should go ahead and pick it up because, goodness, I don't know why. Something about the theme <laughs> and everything about it really just makes me interested in it. So, yeah. Anyway, nice. long story short, Great Western Trail. What's the top three? Great Western Trail, number one. Isle of Sky, number two. And Maracaibo, number three. Oh, interesting. Very, very cool. All right. The next designer on the list, then, someone who we just recently talked about, the yeah. one, the only Jamie Stegmeyer. Josh, you know, pretty small list compared to a lot of the other designers here, and especially about someone who we're about <laughs> to talk, talk about. Uh, but uh, what's your favorite Stegmeyer game? Solid list, though. Solid list. Uh, Viticulture is my pick on his list. Gotcha. How many of the games have you played? Uh, I played Scythe digitally. I own Scythe physically. Um, I have Charterstone, but we didn't get to it. Mm -hmm. um, I don't have Tapestry or Euphoria or My Little Scythe, um, but they're all games I want. <laughs> yeah. So Scythe is definitely my pick. I like, I have Tapestry, but haven't played it. Obviously completed Charterstone. I've played Viticulture, which is great as well. i um, never played Euphoria though. Don't even own it. But mm. Scythe is a game that was one of my first not my first but one of my first kickstarter projects that backed and got and really got me into backing board games on kickstarter because the game was so good uh and i'm actually looking at my kickstarter thing right now where was it here one two three four, two. so it was the seventh kickstarter i ever backed but it was really the third board game 
Okay. Um, before that was Tiny Epic Kingdoms and Ultimate Werewolf Deluxe. <laughs> uh, okay. So, yeah. So really the one that I was like, oh my gosh, Kickstarter board games are so good. Um, but yeah, so Scythe is definitely my favorite, but the rest are great. I'm assuming Scythe is going to be in first place, Josh, but tell me if I'm wrong. Yeah, it goes uh, Scythe, Viticulture, Tapestry, one, two, three. Oh, interesting. All right. Well, I guess I can kind of see that. All right. And then the next one on the list and the one we will end with, number six, Bruno Catala. What a list, Josh. Oh, my gosh. Look at all those games on there. Yeah. There's so, so many of them and so many really good ones. Including... I like him as a designer. <laughs> yeah, he's great. Uh, you've definitely talked about a lot of these games. And he also has a Spiel des Jahres winner on here with King Domino. Uh, but just a ton of stuff on here. So, Josh, what would you pick? What's your favorite game from Bruno Catala? <laughs> wow, that's a tough one. Um, I have to go Seven Wonders Duel, uh, but Shadows Over Camelot is a very, 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 very close second for me. Not on Shadows the chart, of- though. <laughs> I think Shadows Over Camelot might be the game I've had the, for the own the longest that I haven't ever played because it requires three players. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, yeah, yes. <laughs> <laughs> so this is a tough one because I really want to pick Seven Wonders Duel, but mm. there's this little game called Five Tribes that's yeah. on here as well. And Never Five Tribes, uh, lo- I'm going to have to go Five Tribes. I think Five Tribes is my favorite game from Katala, but Seven Wonders Duel is great. King Domino is great. Yes. He, oh my gosh, he has so many good things on here. It's ridiculous. So what's, what's the top? Well, let's do the top five for him, because like I said, there's a lot on here. All right. Number one, Seven Wonders Duel. Number two, Five Tribes. Mm. Number three, King Domino. Number four, Cyclades. And number five, Shadows Over Camelot. So basically the five games we talked about other than Cyclades. Correctamundo. So... All right, so that's, like I said, that is the first six. There are many, many others. So maybe this is another thing we'll come back to in the future to talk about. Some of them have a lot of games that are pretty popular. Some of them have games that uh, I'm like, wow, I know this person's name, but I have not played any of their games. (laughs) So there's a couple of those on here. But overall, man, it's amazing how many designers are really behind a few very specific or they have like four or five games that they're super well known for. And then you're like, Oh wait, they did all these other ones too. Yeah. Like Antoine Bowser would have been next. And wow. Yeah. Right. Antoine Bowser. Whew, that'll be a fun one. Maybe, like I said, maybe we'll get back to this someday. Cause I think it's pretty fun, but there you go. Go ahead and check out, like I said, onboard game geek. They have the favorite game pull designer. Uh, so go ahead and check that out. Uh, it is pretty cool. Josh third topic this week. There, sorry, I started. I kept voting for things. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, for my third topic, uh, it's actually something I discovered while browsing the shelves at my local Walmart. Uh, so, we've had a lot of questions from listeners in the past about getting into Dungeons and Dragons or Pathfinder, just role playing games in general. Uh, now, there seems to be a game that helps bridge that gap between board gamers and RPGers. Let's talk about. Dungeons and Dragons Adventure Begins, a cooperative board game. So I'm literally, I'm just going to, I'm reading this from uh, dnd.wizards.com from their product page. Um, it is Dungeons and Dragons in a board game box. Um, as they describe it, you step step into an exciting world of D&D 
uh, choose your character and work together along uh, the journey through the lands of Neverwinter, uh, facing fantastic obstacles, battling monsters, and defeating the boss monster terrorizing the realm. Um, the role of the Dungeon Master passes from player to player um, with each turn, which is a big change, so everyone gets to be a part of the storytelling. So the features as they list. Uh, you have quick entry to D&D, step into the exciting world, uh, designed for two to four players ages 10 and up. Uh, you have cooperative fantasy game. Um, it's a portal to the monsters, magic, and heroes of D&D. Players work together as they journey through the lands of Neverwinter. Has quick gameplay. You can choose and customize your heroes, battle iconic D&D monsters, and experience a new adventure every time. Uh, you can choose a journey in which boss your party of heroes will fight in the end. You can choose from four bosses, the, the Beholder, a Fire Giant, a Green Dragon, or the Kraken. And it even comes to four plastic miniatures uh, corresponding with the heroes. Um, you can also get it on Amazon. Uh, you can also And you can pre-order at GameStop as well. It's only 25 bucks. The release date says October 1st, but it is currently in at least my local Walmart. Oh, um, do they have it? Yeah, that's how I discovered this. Oh, that's right. Yeah, sorry. Um, so I don't know if that is purposeful, like a Target exclusive, or a fluke, and I was wouldn't have been able to buy it at the register, but it seems like being in the shelf a month or more than a month early can't be a fluke. Um. So, yeah, uh, uh, what do you think? How do you feel about this board game adaptation of a tabletop RPG? And do you think this is a good idea, bad idea, neutral, etc.? So, I'm oh, looking at You can the only pre-order on, on Walmart's website. So, check your Walmarts. <laughs> right. Maybe yeah, I'll go buy it was, tomorrow. <laughs> that's why I was confused because I was like, maybe I misunderstood what he said. Yeah, I got free pickup today in stock at Worcester uh, Walmart. Interesting. So here, this seems cool, but Josh, have you looked at what's in the box? Yes. It's more there, board gamey than D&D. Well, that, but also there are a total of four dungeon boards. Yeah, double-sided, I believe. So, still, four. Yes. That's not very many, Josh. Well, when most people play D&D, they don't have boards, period. Well, I understand that. <laughs> okay. But, you're, because when you're playing D&D for realsies, the map is only limited by your mind. Your imagination. Exactly. I, I think but this could be cool. I do think... This obviously is geared towards getting people entry level into this to see if they're excited about it, to see if they can get them to bite, if you would, on going to that next step. But what I wonder about, though, is are people going to be – is this going to be enough of a step or is getting into D&D still going to be super daunting? You know what I'm saying? Yes, I actually do uh, know what you're saying. So that's more of what my – concern is, is is this enough if you had four people who got this and they're played through it and said this was awesome let's like play D D for real is that a thing that could actually happen and i yeah. say for real in like doing their own campaign not for real that this thing isn't a real game so that's really what my worry is and i think it's interesting the box says a new adventure every time you play how many adventures are there there's a lot of cards 
There well, are a the lot maps of maps maybe similar, yeah. So yeah, I don't know. I, it's cool. It's a nice way to try to ease some folks into it. I hope it works out for them like they think it's going to or they want it to. Yeah, because I think more people playing tabletop role playing games is good. It's obviously a blind spot for me. It's something I have yet to have the joy of participating in. Uh, I just don't know this will do exactly what they want it to, but I am hopeful that it will. What are your thoughts? Well, I, I I definitely hear all your concerns and I share them. What I do like, so I'm looking at like on the Walmart website, looking at the pictures and examples, and like there's a card called Loot Loot Loot, and it says you. So you enter a room filled with flickering shadows. All players roll. The highest roller discovers a chest and then rolls again to try to open it. And then the bottom it has, like, literally, you roll uh, your d20 at a minus one check. Uh, your hand slips up and hits you in the face. Critical failure. Uh, if you roll an 11 plus, the chest springs open and then it says, name what you find inside. So I like that it is inspiring kids, like, it's t- ages 10 up creativity right right? so like what do you find inside the chest and then like you know the kids or adults could say anything right like i find a banana (laughs) but it shoots bullets like dnd is open to your imagination right so i do like that aspect i do think yes for sure um the maps are limited but even if you look at the map pieces they represent like towns and things you don't necessarily have to just walk on the predetermined spots on the on the pieces so and and they also give you like the um the player cards like like you can have you have a character name you have a race a class um like this is the sage they're rational tentative and kind they're a spellsmith and these are all customizable mm-hmm. and they have things that happen on their die rolls like one to ten nothing happens eleven to seventeen eighteen plus and you have all these different abilities and fight skills. I really think, as someone who's just really getting into Pathfinder, I really think this offers... This is something I would have loved to play, have played before I got into what I'm doing now. Um, right. More on a comfortability level, right? Like, I play Pathfinder, and I'm just so nervous I'm going to mess something up that my enjoyment, while I'm having fun... Mm-hmm. is like marginal compared to everyone else who's been playing this forever. Right. Like they're enjoying it way more than I am because I'm just so worried that I'm detracting from the enjoyment of it. Okay. And if I like had this this game or or some type of game or even if I attempted to get into D&D before now I feel like I would be more comfortable. Uh, what I do like about this is that it puts everyone per turn in the position of the Dungeon Master. Right. That is cool. Because it gives you at least more like situational awareness of what's going on. Right. Um, I think it's a great step forward. 25 bucks, great entry level at the point, at that price point where I feel like you don't even feel like you're out of money. Like you don't even feel like it's a loss. Right. Um, at this investment price because you could just buy Jeff Hawks really Monopoly for the same mm-hmm. price. And get a different experience. Out of it. Absolutely, absolutely. No, that's great. Awesome. You've turned me around, Josh. You've turned me around on it. <laughs> it wasn't my goal. I don't, I don't know that I'm going to run out and buy it. But no, I, you have, I have Gloomhaven. You don't need to go get that. I, I do have Gloomhaven. 
All right, Josh, my last topic is it's time to make some rankings, Josh. <laughs> We've both backed a pretty decent, 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 decent number of board games on ye old Kickstarter. So what are our favorites? That's what we're here <laughs> to find out, Josh. Now, we, yeah. I think we can guess your number one. You guess my number one, sure. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be Gloomhaven. I'm not saying that. Okay. But anyway... <laughs> We're going to go through and just kind of rank order our favorite games, board games specifically, that we have gotten from Kickstarter. Now, Josh, <laughs> did you look through this at all ahead of time? Do you ha- Did you write down a ranking? Are you just looking at your Kickstarter right now frantically like I am to make a ranking? How did you go about this? I can't rank my Kitty Spring Fountain as my number one favorite board game. <laughs> you cannot <laughs> rank that. Uh, you know what? I intentionally didn't um, pre-pull up my Kickstarter. I have it up. It's been up for a little bit. Okay. Um, do you have here? How many? How many have you backed? So I have. Do you have your pinwheel? What's that? Do you have your pinwheel on the right side? No, I'm on the on the Kickstarter website. Uh huh. There's a pinwheel with highlighted colors that show the amount of different types of Kickstarters, like journalism, music, photography, and it highlights in color the ones you have backed. So like I have one. I have one comic, and that's yellow. I have one design that's in blue, and I have 58 green, which is board games. Okay, so you've backed way more than I have. I have backed 60 Kickstarters. Okay, so I have backed, as a whole, 37 projects. I win. You are the winner there. (laughs) Let's see. Is it one of these things? Activity? No, backed projects. Nope, that's what this is. Yeah, we must just be on Profile. different pages. Pages, yeah. Anyway, so I have back 37 total. I believe the bulk of those, definitely, uh, probably 30 of them um, are board games. Yeah, if but I click my design, it's Kitty Spring, the Kitty Water Fountain. If I click comics, it's long ago and far away. Uh, and then I click board games. Now my new goal is to fill in my pinwheel and just back something from every category in the pinwheel so it's full. <laughs> well that sounds like something fun to do yeah so really quick side story i love my, side stories my oldest uh pledge that has not been fulfilled yet oh boy i feel so bad for you because all of mine no, have been fulfilled <laughs> no my oldest pledge that hasn't been fulfilled yet uh they when they did over the summer when they had the steam uh, demos that they were doing as part of their typical demos that they do that Steam does in the summer. Yeah. Uh, that game had a demo during that. Really? <laughs> so it might actually be coming out. And recently I was listening to a podcast uh, and Nick Sutner, who used to work at PlayStation, then worked at Oculus and now does independent consulting and writing, is helping with the game. So I think it might actually come out. <laughs> uh, I feel bad for you having this hope. <laughs> I know. I know. So, okay. With that being said, do you want how, to do top five, top three? How do you want to do this? That's what I was going to ask you. Um, I could do either. What Do you have a preference? Let's do top five. Okay. So what cool. is your fifth favorite Kickstarter game you have backed? Okay. I'm going to go, oh, one of them is a video game and they, they threw it right in with my board games. Oh, Swap Fire's on here. That was not fulfilled. That was not fulfilled. <laughs> Okay, so I guess I would say for number five, pardon me while I go through 60 more games. <laughs> uh, my number five. Oh, I'd hate to do this. Do it. Do it. Uh, it's 
Uh, you know what? I don't hate to do it. My number five is Dogs, the board game. Ooh. Is it just because it's dogs, or what do you like about it? I like that it has dogs. <laughs> That's good. Uh, I do have good puppers on the way. It hasn't arrived yet, though. Oh, you're welcome for that one. Uh, thank uh, you, yes. <laughs> um, No, it's a fun game. It's just, uh, you know, I think the other the agility game I have is better. Agility. Gotcha. Um, dogs was cool because it, you know it's family friendly. It's about rescuing uh, dogs, and it also included like backers dogs, which is cool. Um, you know, but it's fine. It's a fine game. I don't know if it's going to make the call, but we're definitely going to get to it. Okay. At some point. Gotcha. Uh, my number five would be Rescue Polar Bears: Data and Temperature. That's your number uh, five. That's you my love five. that game. I do love that game. I have been surprised. Like I said, the number of Kickstarters that I've backed that are very good uh, is pretty remarkable, actually. Um, So that is my number five. It is a cooperative game, very challenging cooperative game, uh, but it puts you in the place of trying to help rescue polar bears. This is a game with a message. They're very much trying to raise awareness for the melting ice caps. Uh, But whether or not you believe in that, which you should, because they're melting and the polar bears are sad, uh, this game... Awesome cooperative game. Really highly recommended if you can get your hands on it. Uh, Rescue Polar Bears, Data and Temperature, my number five game I have backed on Kickstarter. Josh, what is your number four game? My number four is the Shipwreck Arcana, or Arcana, depending on where you are in the country. Uh, Stars Below. Um, I talked about this previously on the podcast. Um, It is like this tarot-style card game that is incredibly beautiful art. Um, it's unique as far as how the board game plays. I don't know that I've played a game, um, like it, uh, since. And I mean, I can't stress how cool the game looks. And, um, it's actually on Tabletopia, which I didn't know, which I like. Uh, it's challenging, which I also found to be fun. Um, I accidentally clicked on the link where audio started to play. <laughs> um, <laughs> but you have things where cards fade at the end of turns, and you don't want that to happen, and you can lose the game by cards fading. Um, you have fates on cards. It's very much tarot. When you complete a card, you get positive effects from it. Uh, it's just a very fun game. It's inexpensive. I think I paid $23 for it. Oh, dang. Uh, it's a great price and a fun game, and it looks beautiful. Very cool. Uh, my number four, you'll have to add $106 onto what you paid for your previous game to get to the price of my number four game. That is The Seventh Continent. What goes up must come down. Yeah, the 129 bucks. What are you going to do? I don't think that included shipping either. <laughs> with over 1200 cards that was not cheap shipping if i recall uh but seventh continent is a, a kind of a choose your own adventure game where you pick a different type of uh curse that you're trying to rid yourself of and then basically the adventure begins and you are down there's a card sitting in the middle of the table you can interact with that card which will then bring additional cards onto the table places you can go to explore very much in that choose your own adventure uh motif uh it's a challenging game. It definitely can be very hard to do well, but they do a very cool job of giving you a lot of options to do and a lot of different ways to explore and some really simple mechanisms. And I, I really enjoy it. I don't think my partner enjoyed it as much as I did, but I had a really good time with it. And that's why it is my number four, the seventh continent. What goes up must come down. 
fourth best Kickstarter I have backed. Josh, what is your number three? My number three is Fantastic Factories. Uh, That's a good one. A game we not only have talked plenty about, but also talked to with the creator, Joseph Z. Chen, or co-creator. Um, a great dice placement, uh, engine building board game where, yeah, you're literally building fantastic factories. I don't, I, I don't have to go on about it. We talked about it a bunch. We have. Uh, but a great game. And now the expansion's on Kickstarter. Is it really? I didn't even know that. I guess I'm going to be back in another Kickstarter <laughs> Awesome. My number three uh, is a little game that, you know, people seem to enjoy it a little bit. That's a game called Root from the folks Mm. at Leader Games. Uh, Root is an asymmetrical uh, worker placement kind of game where you're trying to get the most points to win, but you and everyone else on the board is playing as a different uh, woodland creature, and you all interact differently on the board. You all have different powers of what you can do, how you can do them, and how you win is different. Uh, And it is really well balanced for what the game is. It has a ton of replay value, too, because how you interact with basically on what your creature can do um, and how they interact with the other creatures who are in being played in the game is different. Uh, So it's a really awesome game. The art is really beautiful. And honestly, had I played this game more, it might be higher on the list. Uh, But since it is a game I have not played as much as my top two games, it is currently sitting at number three. That is Root. Nice. Josh, number two. My number two uh, is Dice Throne Season 2. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dice Throne is, I mean, this, I still feel like it's incredibly underrated. Mm-hmm. I don't know that a lot of people have played this. Dice Throne is not only, okay, so Dice Throne is a deck builder, dice roller, roll character game. <laughs> uh, right. You pick a class in Dice Throne Season 2, added a bunch of more classes, and it's totally compatible with Dice Throne Season 1, uh, where... You pick a character, and they have these set-up abilities, but as you you play, you have a a board in front of you with your basic abilities. And as you play through the game, you use cards to upgrade your abilities, where they they literally just go over your board ability. And you make your character stronger, and but it's it has the Yahtzee mechanic, right? You're rolling six, I believe it's five or six dice. And you're, you get to re-roll, but you're trying to accomplish this combination of dice icons under your character's abilities. Now, you can play this game cooperative uh, or competitive. I mean, it's always competitive. You can play it solo or team-based. Or you know, like, There's so many different ways to play it. And it plays, man, it plays like two to seven players, I want to say. Um, there. There's just so much replayability for this game, and the production quality is incredible for this game. Mm-hmm. Um, it just looks great. And season two really upped it up. Like they have cutout boards instead of flat boards that cut around the characters. Um, I have the ultimate box. I moved it around somewhere. I think I packed it up and brought it somewhere recently, but it used to be in this area. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Like this nice giant box that it comes like really nicely set up. Um, it's just a very well produced game. I paid sixty bucks for the giant edition for it, which is another great price for an awesome game, which I wish I played more of. Awesome. Dice Throne Season Two. Very cool. Uh, my number two is a game we talked about a little bit earlier on the show, uh, and that is Scythe. 
Scythe was a game that uh, for a long time was probably in my top 10 favorite games, uh, period. I really enjoyed it. It's fallen off a little since then. I haven't def- definitely haven't gone back to it as much as of late, but still a great game, really amazing production on it. What you got in the box, it was 100 bucks when it was uh, back in the day when this came out. And I, you know, really enjoyed it. It was a game that I wanted to play and wanted to get all the expansions for, and they've done a ton of expansions for it. And overall, Scythe is just a cool world and a a game I like enjoying. It seems like it's going to be this game all about battling and war, and you you fight a little bit, but really not that much. Uh, You know, and it, it is a game that was surprising to me with the depth and the strategy and the different ways that you can approach it. So it's something that will stay in my collection probably forever. uh, And I just really enjoy it. Scythe, my number two game I've ever backed on Kickstarter. Josh, just tell everyone what your number one is. (laughs) Well, I'm trying to pull up the date. So this game I backed in 2017. Mm. It made, I paid $100 for it. It made $3,999,795. On a goal of a hundred thousand dollars, <laughs> and forty thousand backers, and it is Gloomhaven. It is Gloomhaven, and mine was the second printing, so this isn't even the first Gloomhaven one. Right, a uh, hundred bucks got me the second printing of Gloomhaven, uh, in not including shipping. Uh, we uh, we literally just played it two days ago. I'm still playing this game. I backed three years ago. Yeah, uh, it's. The best game I've ever played. It'll probably be the best game I've ever played for quite some time. And I can only see Frosthaven maybe overtaking that. And I don't think it will because of nostalgia. Right. Uh, Alo, can you have nostalgia if you're still actively playing it? <laughs> uh, I don't know the answer to that question that I posed. Um, yeah. Uh, I mean, I don't have to say anything else about it except that I can't wait for you to start playing it because I really want to hear what your experience is like awesome uh yeah i'm excited to start playing it i have it obviously so but i haven't played it yet so it can't make this list uh but my number one is a game that is in is in my top five favorite games of all time Hmm. Uh, is a game that we talk about on this show pretty regularly uh and is a game who that i absolutely adore obviously (laughs) uh but the studio has had some weird things happening lately which which makes me sad uh but that is everdell uh, just love and adore everything about that game. The engine building, the presentation, the game is just gorgeous. It looks so good. The production value is so high. Everything about that game I absolutely love. It really is a treat to play every time I play it. And they've done a nice job of um, supporting it with Pearlbrook and Riverdale and the other expansions. Uh, it's still just an absolutely spectacular game. Uh, I think Everdell is going to be something that sticks around for a very long time. Uh, so Everdell is my favorite game I have ever backed on Kickstarter. Uh, Josh, really quick before we wrap up this section, yeah. uh, what games do you of the games that you currently have outstanding that you have not received yet? What are you oh. most excited for? Oh boy, um, hold on, let me pull it back up. I can tell you without looking that I am impatiently waiting for Title Blades to show up. That's probably for me too. What I'm most excited about is Title Blades. Yeah, uh, Title Blades is really killing me that they keep experiencing delays, but also a pandemic. So I get it. Um, uh, Foundations of Rome, obviously a huge one that I'm waiting for. Yep. Um, and I think I've gotten almost everything. Uh, I think Title Blades is the longest 
waiting game I'm waiting for. Um, uh, I still want to play Mockingjay. That's on the list. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, uh, I'm still waiting on Foundations of Rome, the Matchbox collection from um, Thundergriff Games, Frosthaven, Kodama Forest, uh, Azonia, the Whatnot Cabinet, Mission to Planet Hex, which is a local board game designer who we met at in Unpub at the first PAX Unplugged. Um, that ends in a couple days. Um, and Kitty Spring Fountain, the most cat-friendly water fountain on Earth. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think Tidal Blades, like you said, is the one I'm most anticipating just because it is, you know, it was supposed to be here almost a year ago at this point. Yeah. And probably will be about a year late by the time we get it uh based off of their most recent update yes and and you're right they they've just had a ton of like bad luck and the thing i I, that is important to me though is that they recognize especially with this last update you know and for listeners if you're not familiar with their situation (laughs) basically the things were getting packaged and they realized that because of how the they were being put on pallets it was damaging the corners of all the boxes yeah and they're like, this isn't okay. Like, you can't do this. So it's just things like that that have happened to them where it just is they, – they keep running into, you know, small little issues and, and all these good things. Uh, and it was supposed to be, arrive in October of 2019. I'm guessing end of September, early October of 2020 is when we'll probably actually end up getting this game. Maybe. Uh, but I'm super excited about it. It's something I'm looking forward to. Uh, I'm still waiting on Sleeping Gods. Um, that oh, was supposed yeah. To be May tw- yeah, that was supposed to be May 2020. But – I with everything that it was in that time frame, uh, you know, delays are expected, but yeah, foundations of Rome. I'm excited about obviously Frosthaven's a bit out there. Um, I'm also have back the whatnot cabinet, uh, in Asonia. Um, so we'll see good puppers. That's supposed to be coming pretty quick. Yeah. Quickly. I'm pretty stoked about good puppers. Um, and I just got a Wari a couple days ago, which I'm really I excited about. I'm jealous. Yeah. Which that, Oh my gosh, the box is gorgeous. It looks so good. It is such a good job on that. It looks amazing. Yeah. Uh, so I'm super excited about jumping into that one here soon. But yeah, Tidal Blades, definitely looking forward to how that game plays and, and everything, because it, it's definitely highly anticipated. Yes. To our listeners, you have three days. I really suggest just check out Mission to Planet Hex. I probably should have talked about this like a month ago. Um, really fun game. Again, that my wife and I played at PAX uh, in Unpub, PAX Unplugged in. Yeah, it's very unique, and it, it has a lot of quirky humor in it, but it's also challenging. Um, a game out of Boston, uh, Massachusetts, um, which we just coincidentally, while we were in Philly, sat the first table. We sat down <laughs> at in uh, in Unpub was this guy who was really cool from Framingham, Massachusetts, and, and his game was really good. So uh, check out, and it's... H-E-X-X, because the pieces are hexagonal pieces, uh, but they had to throw that extra X on. <laughs> uh, but it's very cool. And uh, yeah, I don't I don't think I'm in uh, an inve- a lot for an investment. I, I'm pulling it back up because I don't want to just like recommend a game to people and not tell them the price, because that would be weird. That, I mean... Giving them some information would probably be helpful. I'm in at twenty at thirty bucks for a That's copy not bad of the game. At all. Yeah, and they're 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 already well over their budget, so it is happening. Um, so yeah, check it out. Good people, good price. Awesome. So Josh, we do have a number of questions from the listeners. Do you want we to take us through those? I was, 
All right, so we have Golden God thirty seven uh, at Golden God thirty seven on Twitter. I'll keep him anonymous uh, or her because I was tipped off to this question and I didn't realize we got this question. Oh, <laughs> but I was tipped off to it today. I heard on a recent show that Josh recently started. You know, you don't need to be redundant with recent, sir or madam. Uh, started a Pathfinder tabletop RPG experience. I know it's not a board game. But I'd love to hear about that on occasion. Now, let me say real quick. It's fine that they said recent recently. Be nice to people who ask questions, Josh. Uh, but, you know, yeah, I probably should be nice to random people. I, don't, I have no clue who they are <laughs> on the Internet. Uh, yes. I mean, just strive to be better with your grammar, though. Uh, we strive <laughs> to be better, so you should, too. Uh Yeah, I would love to keep talking about it. Uh, in fact, I did recently play Pathfinder uh again and it was a confrontational experience where i was not in the same mindset of the party where we mm. were fighting uh goblin rats and there were three of them and we okay. killed two of them and when the third one ran away and cowered under a pile of junk me wanting to also kill it made me the bad guy in our party Okay. Even though they were attacking us. Uh, so it was an interesting experience. We also fought... <laughs> um, we fought a bugbear, which was a fun encounter. We also had to search through what I would describe as one million rooms. It took Dang. us... It took us like 35 minutes to open... There were so many doors. It was very frustrating, but I'm sure... It was meant to be. <laughs> uh, we did end up at a... Uh, we did stop where we are about to have an encounter with. I believe it was a drake. I could be 100% wrong and misremembering it, but I do recall goblins and possibly a drake and uh, a leap 20 feet up to get to a ladder. So it sounds challenging where we are currently at. But I'm having fun. And I'm being challenged, but I think in a good way. So uh, I'm becoming a better gamer. Very cool. Cool. Thanks, Golden God 37 Also, maybe get a complex with your uh, Twitter name. <laughs> uh, but uh, the reason- I don't know who you are or who you could be. <laughs> <laughs> if you are a uh, general listener who we don't personally know, we promise we'll be very nice to you when you write us questions. Totally. I promise. <laughs> uh Saving Throw Studios at Studios Throw jumps in with a question or two. They say uh, one game you can't get into that everyone else loves and name one board game you always wanted to play but never have. So why don't we start, Kyle? What's one game you can't get into that everyone else loves? I That's actually what do you have an answer to this? Because I was literally looking this up while you were answering the previous question. Because I don't know that I have games kyle doesn't like (laughs) i just don't know that i have a good answer to this that's a game that i don't like that everyone else seems to i mean it's kind of subjective right because i think most people love games that are that have good core mechanics and solid like gameplay right like someone's like hey i i mean you know my answer right I have a feeling I know what your answer is, and it might have to do with some superheroes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, my answer is Sentinels of the Multiverse. 
Right. Um, and if I am being forced to make a saving throw and I rolled a one, I would have to tell you that it's because the art is the worst art I've ever seen in a board game ever. And <laughs> art is important in board games. <laughs> it is. It really is. I'm literally looking through the top 100 games list on Board Game Geek and just yeah, going through. Love it, love it, love it, love it. And I'm like, well, or like... <laughs> Yeah, I love it or haven't played it, and so I'm really I'm on over 200 now, and I haven't found a game that I'm like met about yet. You so know, this is I'm gonna I'm gonna Google top 100 board games. Uh huh. There's no way you can't find a board game you don't like. And okay, list. here we go. Here we go. Number 239, Small World. It's fine. Like I think Small <laughs> World is totally fine. That's my I guess that's my answer. People really seem to love Small, Small World. I think it's world. fine. Okay, I mean, I'm not going to criticize your answer, because <laughs> that would be crazy. <laughs> that would be crazy for me to do that, Kyle. I didn't criticize your answer either. No, I'm not doing it. I'm just I hinting at there it has to be. <laughs> so what's one more game that you always wanted to play, but you haven't, Josh? Oh, um, I think that's probably Cosmic Encounters or Twilight oh, Imperium. Pick. Yeah, Twilight Imperium is definitely the answer for me there. That is a game I would really love the opportunity to play. So, But seriously, Josh, let's do that top 100. Are you telling me there's a game on there that you're like, meh about? Twilight Struggle. Santorini. I love Santorini. You love it? Well, I really, it's really not like fine. it. It's not really, fine? Oh, it's better than fine. Okay, it's better I think, than, I I think it's, more than I like Small World. I think it's just fine. Uh, Summoner Wars. I mean, I could definitely find games in this list. <laughs> Uh, I'm not criticizing you. I've, I hope I've been very clear about that. <laughs> That's fine. You can love your small world. That's cool. Yes. I, I actually don't hate small world. I played Twilight Struggle on PC. I haven't played the physical board game, but, uh, right. the, the steam game. No, thank you. Uh, Splake at the delicious, uh, chimes in. Uh, what about every so often choosing a mechanic slash type of game and giving a few classic slash must owns versus, Worthy newcomer discussions. I saw a post about Men at Work, and I've been interested in that, and Tokyo Highway, but on Meeple Circus. Fairly similar dexterity games. Can they each hold their own in limited space, slash money, slash time collection, or deserve a spot? I mean, really, how many engine building more cause some of my favorite games can you own? I think we have definitely done this in the past, right? That's a lot of questions in one question. Right. Uh, we have definitely done the. Uh, we tried doing the classic versus new classic. Yeah, we uh, did. in the past, which I'm okay with revisiting for sure. Uh, I would argue that Tokyo Highway is incredibly different than Meeple Circus, and for me, they both fit in my collection. They're both. While I get that they're dexterity games, mm-hmm. um, I'm giving you permissions like to to buy Tokyo Highway because it is incredibly different than Meeple Circus. Yeah. Not only aesthetically, but gameplay wise. And it, they, they 100% feel like different games. And I would argue Tokyo Highway is 10 times more challenging than Meeple Circus in a good way. Uh, it's tension building. It's stressful. It's fun. Um, well, Tokyo Highway is a game that will not leave my collection. And I think Meeple Circus will probably stick around too. Um, 
You could probably make the argument that you don't need Catch the Moon if you have those two games, though. But I was I just going to ask you if you <laughs> prefer Tokyo Highway or Catch the Moon. I mean, it, it, Tokyo Highway is not for anyone. Like, not for anyone. It's not for everyone. <laughs> <laughs> it's not for everyone, right? Like, you need to be in the mood for Tokyo Highway. It is certainly not a filler game. Right. It takes 10 times longer than uh, um, Catch uh, Catch the Moon. Um so it definitely, and even Meeple Circus is way longer than Catch the Moon. Catch the Moon is right. a twenty minute game. Uh, so they all have their own spots. Uh, you, you can be a dexterity game owner. That's yeah. okay too. Uh, how do you answer all these questions, Kyle? So yeah, I, I think <laughs> the idea of picking, doing like, oh, our favorite deck building game, our favorite drafting game, our favorite worker placement game is totally something we could do. I think that is an excellent suggestion and something we could look at doing in the future. You know, as p- two people who have board game collections that are bigger than we both want them to be. Yeah. Well, I should say want them to be, have room for them to be. <laughs> uh, it's very hard for us to not encourage people to buy games. But I would agree that Tokyo Highway is kind of its own thing. Men at Work is a game I'm not super familiar with. Uh, but if you like dexterity games, go for it. And I would 100% agree about the engine building situation that... When you find that mechanism you're in love with, it's really hard not to just take by all of the games in that genre. In that genre, yeah. And they just, and they, because <laughs> they just all add like something a little different and stuff. So, you know, that's fine. Just do it. Just buy the games you like. That's totally fine. There's nothing wrong with that. But having a little bit of diversity in there be, can be good because not everyone's going to like the same games. But yeah, I do like the idea, though, of picking me- uh, mechanisms and, and kind of going from there. That's something we will look at doing in the future. Yeah. Cool. All right. Well, we're going to wrap things up here with our well-rounded life recommendations. Obviously, we're a gaming podcast today, a board gaming podcast. Uh, But we do want to give you one other thing that we're currently into that's helping us live that well-rounded life. Josh, I'm hoping yours is not what you actually have written here. (laughs) So what is your recommendation for a well-rounded life? So my recommendation for a well-rounded life is prank your significant other. Oh, gosh. (laughs) Add some spice to your life. (laughs) Over the past two weeks... I have, we have a shower head that has a removable handle, um, which I installed at the beginning of, or the end of last year, the beginning of this year. Uh, I don't know what came over me, but I was looking at it while I was showering and I thought it'd be really funny if I raised this all the way up and turned it facing the sink. Because in our house, what we typically do is move the shower curtain enough to put our hand in, turn the water on turn the shower head on and then wait till the water is to the temperature we want. Right. Uh, we don't just get in the shower and turn it on like a heat. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, and my wife caught on the first like couple times I tried it like nice try. What do you think you're doing? Blah, blah, blah. Well, yesterday morning I jumped in the shower before I took a walk with my son to CVS um, no, this morning. It was this morning. Not even yesterday morning. That's how like how time works now. Yes. Um, so we get up early. I, I, you know, we, we had to go to the market today. So I said, hey, well, I'll go take Jameson for a walk to CVS. We'll come back and we'll go to the market. You take a shower while we're gone. So, of course, I turned on the shower. Uh, I took my shower. I'm going to pull up her text message because she texted me while I was at CVS. And um, I, I had to lift it up so I knew it would get over the bar, the shower bar and the curtain. Right. Uh, and 
I just get, I don't know, 20 minutes after we left the house, a text that says, you're a jerk. The bathroom floor is wetter than I am. (laughs) Uh, It also sprayed the electrical outlet. (laughs) So I knew I was successful. (laughs) Nice work. Nice work. Um, But while I'm sure at the time, I know she laughed and it was fun for us to be like fake mad at each other. Don't do something that's going to be like hurt somebody right? or cause anyone physical harm, like mental or physical harm, but have some fun, do something cute and clever that isn't, you know, something innocent. And like, you know, I told, I told my son on the way home, I was like, when you get home, make sure you walk in. And when you see mommy say, her daddy got you wet. And then (laughs) just move on from there. And that's what he did. (laughs) And of course she left the bathroom floor covered in water for me to clean up. So I also, Got pranked myself, <laughs> which I will say is appropriate. Yeah, the appropriate response for so her. prank yes. prank someone you love, prank your significant right. other, do something innocent, don't go crazy, um, but have some fun in this crazy world and time we live in. Do something interesting and spice it up a little bit. That's awesome. That's very cool. Uh, my recommendation is something I guess less fun. <laughs> so back in the day, Josh, did you ever watch the Eco Challenge? When it was on in the early 90s. You know, early it to sounds, mid-90s. I'm going to have to Google it because you say it, it sounds super familiar. And it might even be mid to late 90s. But anyway, the Eco Challenge is an 95. adventure race. Yeah, an adventure race that was created by Mark Burnett. He went yes. to create this little show called Survivor. Uh, and I think that's actually why the Eco Challenge stopped was because he got super successful with Survivor. Um, but the Eco Challenge, like I said, it's an adventure race where teams of four uh race the from you know the point a to point b with a whole lot of little checkpoints in between uh the current one they have brought the show back is hosted by bear grills i uh, just saw this i'm so excited to see bear grills yeah so it's hosted by bear grills it is on amazon um and it's called the world's toughest race eco challenge fiji uh interesting because they actually were in fiji for one of the original episodes way like way back in the 90s but basically, these teams... He comes uh, in a cover... helicopter. <laughs> <laughs> he does come in a helicopter. That is how Bear Grylls enters things. <laughs> uh, it's a 670-kilometer race. And there are some teams who are the elite teams who are there to win. And other teams who are just trying to finish because there are time cutoffs and stuff. But it's all manner of different things you can imagine. They might have to paddle a ways and then do some hiking and then maybe some mountain biking and then maybe some whitewater rafting. And then they have to, you know, climb a waterfall and then they have to navigate through a jungle. Just a whole bunch of different stuff. Uh, The team that wins, and I won't tell you who wins, uh, but they basically do the 670 mile, 670 kilometer course in 117 hours or something like that. So they basically don't sleep. They never slept, really. This looks so cool. Yeah. So overall, the show, the production of the show is pretty good. Uh, they do a really nice job of kind of finding the teams that you are going to have tug at your heartstrings a little bit in addition to following those who are the leaders. I will say that for a show that's on Amazon, and I really get annoyed that they do this, it is it is filmed like a show that you are not going to watch back to back to back that is like on weekly. So like every show starts with things. a recap. Yeah, so every show starts with a recap of what happened with the previous show. And then they introduce you to a team and you're like, yeah, you talked about them like 40 minutes ago on the other episode. (laughs) Like, I know who they are. So that's the only thing that's a bit annoying about it. But 
other than that, just seeing what these teams do, hearing the stories of the people who are involved in these teams and what they're trying to do, really, really cool. And just seeing all the stuff and literally seeing people get to both their physical and emotional breaking points and finding a way and the grit and the resilience and the resolve to push through that. And it's really kind of inspiring to see these people put everything out there and just put lay it all on the line to be asked to give this a shot um, in what really it probably is the world's toughest race. So, like I said, on Amazon, not the best. Like I said, there's some issues I have with production of it overall, but just seeing the people getting connected to the, the teams, pretty great. Um, I highly recommend checking it out. Awesome. Josh, what do you say we wrap this up? Let's do that. Thanks for joining us, everyone. In addition to finding us on Twitter and Instagram at Board with Fiji, you can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Board with Fiji. So feel free to give us a five-star rating over there. Also, if you want to communicate in the more long form, or you're just not feeling social media, please feel free to email us at boardwithfiji at gmail.com. We also tag all of our stuff with hashtag Board with Fiji. So please use that hashtag as well on all your social media. And whatever podcast service you're listening to us on, we encourage you to give us a stellar rating. That is, whether you're downloading us from the PSVG feed, the Dice Tower Network feed, or our very own standalone board with video games feed. We're big in Zimbabwe, baby. You can find me on Xbox Live and PlayStation Network at Serious. That's S-I-R-R-I-U. S. Kyle, where can people find you? So, you can find me on all the usual places. Twitter, Instagram, PlayStation Network, Xbox Live, Board Game Geek, all at PsychoCross. C-Y-C-O-C-R-O-S-S. As a reminder, Metafall is going on now, so please go to bit.ly slash Metafall 2020 B-I-T dot L-Y slash M-E-T-A-F-A-L-L 2020 by 11.59pm Eastern Time on Sunday, August 29th to enter to win we love to see a ton of entries and for you to win some awesome prizes. As always, if you have suggestions for future topics, be sure to reach out to us on the social media because we want to talk about what you want to hear about. And remember, everyone, whether it be board games or video games, never stop gaming.